0: All right, so welcome to Chasing Common Ground. I've recently rebranded the podcast, formerly known as The Lifestyle Chase, and I am feeling very lucky to have Aram Gregorian with me on the show today. So some people may not know who you are. I know a lot of my listeners will probably be familiar with you, but if you were going to introduce yourself to new people, how would you go about that?
1: Well, first of all, thank you for having me. And uh, anytime I have a chance to share my beliefs or my idiosyncrasies with the world, it's a humbling and great, gratifying experience. So thank you, Chris. I appreciate it. Um, for anybody listening, feel free to rip me apart on anything I say. If you have any critiques or criticisms of me, feel free to DM me after this is over. I do always want feedback because if there's an opportunity for me to improve, I want to take that opportunity. So to talk about myself, which I don't like to really do because I don't really fucking matter in this world. It's really more about what I can do for you. I'll just give you the broad strokes. I have 15 years, about 15 years of experience with training people in person. Um, I have a history of, I was an economics major in college. I uh, was in finance for about seven years prior to becoming a trainer. And a coach, uh, I got my feet wet at a very boutique gym in Greenwich, Connecticut, where I grew up or where I spent most of my time as an adult. And then I, I was kind of forced online when I got, when I moved from Connecticut to California in 2021. So that was my big transition. I lost, obviously, all my in person business because of my move. And then I had to kind of just reinvent myself. And I realized that to get started at the magnitude of which I was doing in in person sessions in Connecticut, I was doing seven to 10 sessions a day. Uh, you know, I was making great money. It was all cash, you know, cause I was getting a lot of checks and a lot of cash that way, and keeping it on of uncle Sam's dirty little hands. But, uh, I just saw that, you know, the content that i am seeing on Instagram sucks. Everybody's saying the same shit, but they're trying to like dance around the subject. And I'm like, I'm just going to, talk the way I talk to humans on Instagram and let's see what happens and all of a sudden 40,000 followers later it just kind of worked and uh, that's where we are today just helping people every day with content helping clients every day try to get through their limiting beliefs uh, the event that I host is to help coaches source education so I just kind of see myself as like a perpetual servant to my community and that's what I'm trying to do.
0: With your background outside of the fitness industry, have you ever found times when it's like contributed to your skill set as a coach? And if so, like, can you identify a few
1: of them? I would say that I, it's interesting because what I did in business was very much monkey work. Like I sat in an office, I had a, I had a managerial role, but I didn't really like manage anybody. I uh, I was managing a small team of, like, five people, but, like, the work that we did was just so mundane and so easy. Like, it was literally, it was essentially glorified data entry. We were reconciling bank accounts. We were, on a, we were connected to a trading company, so we traded oil, natural gas, and power. So it was, like, very big money work, but the shit that we were doing was, like, you know, we were, like, the lackeys of the company. We were like, they call it's in those kind of companies. You have the front office, which is the people that make a ton of money that are kind of the forward client facing, money facing people. Then you have the middle office, which supports the front office and gives them the support that they need to, in order to make those transactions and make that money happen. And then you have the back office that supports everybody. So we're like that bottom rung of the ladder. So it was never like this sexy job. We were in a very sexy industry. And I was in, you know, I was 45 minutes away from New York City, which came with a lot of partying, which came with a lot of drugs and booze and everything else, kind of that Wolf of Wall Street lifestyle. But it was, it was our choice to do it that way. It was not like if people were like inviting us out. So I didn't really learn business acumen. I didn't learn how to run a business. I didn't learn anything about finance. I was broke, making 120 grand a year, overdrafting my bank account because I was a fucking stupid 25 year old kid. Um, And it wasn't until I started training people that I started learning about humans like I've always been generally interested about the human condition like I think it's just fascinating how different we all are but also how similar we all are in some sense but when I started having like 60 minute conversations on the gym floor with random people all the time I'm like wow people are fucking fascinating but like there's an opportunity to help people also like it's The reps, the sets, the weight, the macros, the cardio, none of that shit matters. It's the psychology piece of it that was always so important to me. And I'm like, how do you get somebody to believe you? How do you get somebody to trust you? How do you get somebody to trust and believe in themselves? Um, And I was kind of doing a lot of stuff that was textbook that I wasn't even realizing that I was doing. Like a lot of motivational interviewing that I didn't realize I was doing. I've always been generally good at communicating for some odd reason because I'm a shit reader. I don't read at all. I'm from a foreign country, so this is my second language. I don't know why I'm good at any of this stuff, but I think it's just because I'm so honest and I'm so raw and I'm so real with people that I just resonate. And I make people feel comfortable in telling their stories. And I think when I hear people's stories, I can then start to back my way into a way to solve some of their problems if they if they desire me to do that.
0: I mean, that totally makes sense. And like, I always get curious about people's sort of like – pre-fitness story because for me like a big some of my skills come from outside of the fitness industry being being in different environments um being part of different like sort of like workplace cultures and just norms and just different ways of living and just it gives me more empathy and more understanding of like when somebody says like, I can't do this, like, and you're thinking it's ridiculous as a fitness professional that they can't, but then you put yourself in their shoes and it's like, Oh, I could see how that would be the case for you. And I could see how you have a pretty big obstacle because like everybody, like for some everybody around them smokes or nobody around them strength trains. So they would look like, the outlier. If they actually went to the gym after work, they would be like the weirdo. They would like sometimes making a lifestyle change kind of sabotages you professionally because you're not like everybody else. So That's,
1: that's the heart. I just had this conversation with somebody. It's so timely that you said this because one of my clients today was talking about how alienating this journey has been for her. And it's like anybody else. I mean, look at some of the most high performing people in the world. They don't have a ton of friends. They, You know, the cream rises to the top and you're sitting up there and you're like wondering, like, why is it so lonely up here? And it's like, well, because you've just done stuff that other people aren't willing to do. You've outgrown this former shell of yourself, this person that was scared to achieve, scared to try, scared to fail, scared to be wrong, scared to be judged. And now you're sitting around, you know, hopefully a better circle of people who understand what growth takes and it's lonely, like I, I've had to separate myself from a lot of people because I know that if I'm in environments where, like, I, I mean, I'll i be I'll be honest with your audience, like I love to drink and party. But I also know that if I drink and party and do drugs for three days straight, like I'm not gonna be a good business owner. I'm not gonna be a good person to my loved ones. I'm not gonna be a good friend. I'm not gonna be an empathetic human being. I'm gonna be short fused. I'm gonna be impatient. And that's not how I wanna show up in the world. So I'm very strategic and intentional about what I say yes to and what, I'm, what my boundaries are. Um, I'm shitty with boundaries when it comes to clients, when it comes to business, I have no boundaries. Like I work, you know, I think anybody who's an entrepreneur who wants balance, you're just kidding yourself. Uh, there is no balance in entrepreneurship. Maybe at some point, 15 years from now, when I'm 55 or 60 and I'm like sitting on a pocket on a, on a boatload of money because I've just never stopped working, maybe I'll have some balance then. But it's not something I desire because to me, I love what I do and, it doesn't feel like work. Like, yes, of course, it could be tedious. And you know how it is, man. We shovel shit and we listen to the worst of, of, of a person's day every day, almost seven days a week. And then that starts to become a very big vampire of energy. But I find ways to fill my cup. This is why I eat well. This is why I strength train. This is why I surround myself with successful, smart people that are better than me. This is why I only follow certain accounts that fill my cup. I don't follow people that are putting up bullshit that I don't care about. Uh, you know, I unwind and wait. I moved to California to improve my mental health because I didn't want to be around stuck individuals that were stuck in the same pattern of going to the same bar and eating at the same restaurants. So, so many people are, are are hesitant to change because they they don't they don't realize that they have options because they've never explored those options because those options are scary as shit. Like. As a 38-year-old man to move to California across the country with no friends, with no loved ones, with nothing, with nobody except for the money that I made during COVID and and some hopes and some dreams, it was a big-ass risk. And every time I've ever leapt off the ledge, I've landed on my two feet. You know, you, you... You pull a muscle here and there, you might break a a toe every once in a while, but generally when you leap and you trust yourself that you at least have a work ethic and a brain in your head, you're probably going to be fine. So this fear that people have of trying new things, as, as stupid as it may seem, right? Like I'm not a meal prep person or I'm not somebody who goes to the gym at five in the morning. Well, yeah, because you keep telling yourself that. And the more often you tell yourself that story, the more real that story becomes. And it becomes like this self-fulfilling prophecy where it's like, okay, cool. Now I'm in my own prison. I have the key. I can open the door at any moment. I'm just choosing not
0: to. Mm -hmm. I mean, you gave me so much to think about and talk about. So I'm going to try and go in sort of like chronological order. One of the first things that jumped out (laughs) to me was – You talked about how like isolating and lonely like this pursuit can be. And I wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly agree with you. Um, And I have a few instances, one of them top of mind for me. I was kind of reflecting on my pre-fitness industry or even early fitness industry life where I often would go out to bars to drink with friends because it made me feel like I had friends. And then as soon as I removed alcohol from the situation, it got really quiet and like for me to come to terms with that now like it's so humbling like i'm like oh wow like i it is hard to find people that i really connect with and like i'm going to reinforce this later in the episode about conferences and stuff but like this is why conferences this is why i value them so much because somebody has pre-gathered people that like fill my cup to be around um, and, like, my, my first example, I'll share my first example, and this was, like, taking a huge leap. Uh, my entry into fitness was kind of wonky. Uh, there was a lot of gyms that I applied to that didn't hire me, and the gym that did hire me after an internship closed eight months in. It was a little bit messy, and then I was sprung into being self-employed. Eight months in as a trainer, I had some prior existence or prior experience working for a fitness magazine and a spin instructor. But I was kind of like I was already accumulating a little bit of like credit card debt and stuff like that. I was a little bit nervous about my future. But a few months into that, um, I was encouraged to go to the Kansas City Fitness Summit by Andrew Coates, and like I did not have uh, the money to go to it like i i was just barely kevin deneens what's that kevin deneen's event. Ah, uh, yeah
1: um yeah kevin's kevin's a great guy andrew's a great guy kevin's a great guy
0: yeah like i i'm not a hundred percent on like how that event became but it it was such like a historic event because so many people have been brought together at that event and like Andrew Coates has known me for basically my entire training career. We're both based in Edmonton and he just kind of like gave me a little bit of an extra nudge. I don't think he realized quite how broke I was, but it was like, uh, He's <laughs> like every, everybody's kind of been there. And what I want to reinforce is just like how taking that risk to be on that trip made such a dramatic impact on my career. Um, basically like, I was watching my bank statement to make sure that I my cards wouldn't bounce if I had to use like an Uber once I arrived. I got like a promo from McDonald's where I could get like 10 cheeseburgers for 10 bucks. I ate two of them <sighs> and I put the rest in like the, the hotel fridge. I split the room with another colleague from Edmonton. He, he transferred me some money to like float me for the rest of the trip. Like I was broke that whole trip and to make up for it when i came back i basically lived off rice beans and tuna for the next like three months until i recouped the funds um but like it changed the trajectory of my career like that and all the networking that i do online like now i'm in a position where like your event came up and i could just pay for it immediately which i couldn't do that before but it's because of the growth that's happened to my career, the connections I've made, the work I've been able to do since. Um, But what motivated me this time around, like big time, the people coming because, yes, it gets isolating. Yes, it's hard to find people that you really see eye to eye with. And I start to value people more and more. The more I'm in the industry, I'm like, I would pay a thousand dollars to hang out with this person, and it's just it's a no brainer and it helps with like the longevity of your career. It can be like the catalyst for some collaborations, some meeting of the minds, maybe somebody's going through some personal stuff and just talking to a friend uh, makes such a big profound impact. Like I could see going to an event like yours being the reason that a lot of people stay in the industry where they might have otherwise like quit on themselves because of the value that connection
1: brings. (laughs) Uh, it's funny that you say that because that's exactly what happened in March. So I would say that probably 92% of the audience back in March of this year when I first ran it was was female, female coaches that were probably either relatively new to coaching or maybe mid-tier, a couple of years under their belt. Some of them, I would say most of them were part-time. And the amount of people that ended up coming out of that conference and then, and then Between the connections that they made, the stuff that they learned, and the tactics they were able to implement, they either went full bore, full time, and started just saying that this is going to be it. I'm just going to go both feet in the pool. Or they managed to refine their business and refine their offering to be able to still help people while still maintaining whatever their major breadwinning career was. Because some of them were like nurses. Some of them had tenure and teaching. So it's like, you're not going to leave that job. That's silly. It's like you have benefits and all this other stuff. And I've been to other conferences where there's people that are like making, you know, 150, 200 grand a year. And they're being guilted into becoming coaches because it's like, well, you're not making enough money. You could be doing more. And if you don't sign up for my mastermind, you're never going to fulfill your full potential. It's like this this person has a lucrative career. Why are you telling them to leave and take a job that essentially is going to pay them zero money for six months until they build their roster up? And they don't even have the skill set or the experience to do it. So it was there was this, like, predatory sense of, like, if you're not doing what we're doing, you don't belong with us. And unless you pay $20,000 for my mastermind, you'll never belong. And when I saw that, and I saw that at multiple different conferences, I'm like, this is ridiculous. People need to be able to understand that they have options to do this part-time. Now, I personally, like, for me, I don't want to do this part-time. Like, I like the fact that I'm a full-time coach it's taken me a very long time to get here. Like this idea of a 10 K month never even crossed my mind until maybe three or four years ago. Like I've been making whatever underneath that for a very long time. So this idea that like you're going to become a coach within six months, you should be making 10 grand of bullshit. And anybody that tells you that through your DMS or whatever other marketing they're now doing to try to loop you into whatever program they have, it's like anything else. Like if a client hires us, as a nutrition coach or a trainer, we can give them the best roadmap in the world and the best blueprint, but they still have to do the work. So if you hire a business coach and that business coach is saying, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, and you don't do any of it, well, it's not going to really bring you any more business or any more money. And the reality is, is the more helpful you are and the more of yourself that you give to people, the more people will come to you as the authority figure in that space and they'll trust you. And like, everybody's so afraid of, well, I only have 2,000 followers on Instagram. It's like, well, can you imagine if you had 2,000 people in your driveway listening to every word you had to say? Like, that's 2,000 people that give a shit about what you're putting out there. So talk to them. Stop trying to talk to the person that's not even in your ecosystem yet. Like, you're not Andrew Coates. You don't have 140,000 followers. But even Andrew Coates, who has that, it's taken him years to get to that point. And like, he got, and he'll even admit, he's like, I got lucky multiple times along the way. And that's what people don't want to realize. And I think the problem with our industry right now, Chris, is that there's a lot of these business coaches and there's a lot of these gurus and self-whatever that are creating and painting a picture that just isn't realistic anymore. And, you know, I firmly believe that you should start cutting your teeth as a coach or a trainer by working with humans in person on a gym floor And you, And if you're making a ton of money and you want to do this as a, as a side gig, Understand that your clients are doing this full-time. You're signing up clients to work with you full-time, but if you're only giving them part-time effort, that's not fair to them either. So if you're going to be a part-time coach, you better be very good at being a part-time coach because that's going to degrade the rest of our industry if you put in half ass work and those clients are getting a half ass experience. And then they're not going to want to come back to coaching once they realize that it didn't work for them. So what I'm doing by creating this event what I'm doing with all my content is I'm trying to make our industry collectively better so that we have an industry to keep coming back to. Because if, if if we let the business coaches and the influencers run our industry, we are fucked. And I think you would probably feel Mm the same.
0: Well, I mean like for, for myself, some of the things that I really enjoy about this industry is connecting with people. Like, um, i my workload is enough that i don't need to do in-person training but i do in-person training because i like it oh, yeah. You do.
1: yeah how many how many people do you see um
0: there? for me it's it's pretty pretty small i might see like five different people in a week kind of thing but i just keep oh, enough people perfect. in the roster that uh i get a variety of different personalities uh different things to work through, like some people are brand new to the gym. Some people are prepping for a wedding. Some people like a lot of people come to me for the simple reason that they just want to live longer. Um, they want to go on longer hikes and stuff. And that's like I love that. I get excited about that. And then I do a lot of like online coaching where it's like strategy sessions and stuff. And there's a lot of times where I find myself in situations where I'm helping other coaches develop their skill set as well. Um, And it's just like, you have to be passionate about this work. But if you're passionate about this work, you get the work capacity to absolutely work your butt off because it will take that in this industry. Like I've worked in a lot of environments. I've been like a porter at a bar where we worked all night and it was just like chaotic environment and stuff. I've been a warehouse operations person at like a stainless steel supplier and it was just like, tough labor, long days. Um, Sometimes it's just like you're hustling to get the order out on time. But I would say the fitness industry has challenged me the most as far as like work ethic, work capacity. I think the lessons I learned from the other spaces played into like me being able to sustain this stuff. But like if I wasn't passionate about this work, I wouldn't have the career path that I've had um and a lot of people can't keep up with the work that it takes if they don't truly love like helping people and then when you are helping people you can't do these things by yourself like whether your business is like a sole proprietorship or whether your business has lots of team members you still have to have like your people that you can kind of like talk shop with your people that you can kind of like uh compare different scenarios like i have this client working with this what would you do in this scenario or i'm coming across this conflict what would you do in this scenario and it's just like if you don't have these people you're going to hit a wall um so like key points being that my hope is that when people get exposed to more passionate coaches that just truly love helping people that it becomes this infectious like ripple effect And then they start to find the passion in their work. And then people can kind of help each other, like the rising tide lifts all boats kind of thing. Um, And I hope to subtly influence a few people to take a few of those positive risks on themselves to get themselves into a position where they're in rooms when they can be surrounded by these people all at once. Like maybe they can just barely afford the trip. Go for it. Go on the trip. Um, Anybody listening to this from Edmonton, I will say right now, there are direct flights from Edmonton to Vegas with Flair and they are some of the cheapest flights to the U S that you can find. Like this is one of the most advantageous locations for a conference for Canadians to attend if they're based in Edmonton. Um, That's, that's a huge reason why it was easy for me. A lot of other locations, there's connections, the flights cost more, or maybe it's like a day of travel each way And you're there for two days. Um, So it's just like this, this is an opportunity that's massive. Um, If somebody's listening to the episode and they're like, oh, I know Chris, I I just need to like save some money. And I would be like, well, just bunk with me. We can split the room cost. I'll help you out. (laughs) But uh, I mean, the rooms,
1: the rooms, the rooms are probably the cheapest part of the, the conference. I mean, the rooms, I think, are 109 to 129 bucks a night. It's probably. I've gone to conferences where I paid 400 bucks a night at the same hotel that the event was at. And I'm like, Jesus, for what? Uh, I, I just flew to New York city from San Diego for 24 hours to go to the strong New York event. And the reason why I went there was because I wanted to meet Adam Bornstein and Gabrielle Lyon and all these people that have been following forever. And I paid $750 to buy a VIP ticket to be in those rooms. And uh, what I think people fail to realize is that the money that you spend If you have confidence in your work ethic and your abilities, you're gonna make it back and you're gonna make it back tenfold. Now, it's not gonna happen immediately, it's not like I spend a thousand dollars to go to Vegas and I go to the real coaches summit within three days, I make that money back. Of course, not that's ridiculous. But if you go to these events and you actually immerse yourself into it and you talk to as many people as possible, and what I do. And what what my event differs from other events is everybody's sitting together and doing things together constantly. So it's not like this thing where I'm sure you've been to events too, where like, okay, speakers finished, speakers are gone. They're nowhere to be found or they're at some like VIP thing for only the speakers or only the people that paid $1,000 plus to be in that room. And now you're standing there with like two or three of the people that you already know that you basically came with. And now it's like, well, where do you want to go to dinner? Well, I don't know. Where do you want to go to dinner? And then you're playing that game. And I hate that shit. So what I did was I'm like, okay, cool. Instead of having that happen, everybody's staying at the same hotel. I'm going to offer breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I'm going to give you open bar happy hours so you guys can all be together the entire time. Because that's why you came here. Like I get it. Like it's Vegas. There's a lot of shit going on. Bright lights, big city. I get it. But like, what you'll notice is you don't have to leave. Like you can literally leave your wallet in the room. You bring your notebook. You bring your pen. You bring your little backpack. You come downstairs and you don't have to be back upstairs until you shower before dinner. And then dinner served at six forty-five. And now we're doing two hours of happy hour. And now we're right back with those same people. The presenters are still there. They're hanging out with you. they you're You're able to pick their brain. You're sitting next to another business owner who might have a very similar situation to you and you're picking their brain. And so many people made these connections and they, and they got these takeaways. Like, of course the stuff on the stage is important. That's why I I curate the people that I curate. But it it pales in comparison to the conversations that you have at the meals, at the happy hours, because that's where you get to actually know the person that you're speaking to. Like like these aren't, People on stage should not be celebrities. You know what I mean? Like I've been to conferences where like Lane Norton spoke and Holly Baxter spoke and Alan Aragon was there. And the amount of people that are just running up to them to take their picture. It's like, these guys aren't The Rock. This isn't like Kate Beckinsale. This is not like Denzel Washington. These are, yes, they're celebrities to us because we've been following them and they have these massive followings online and we consider them to be authority figures. But instead of wasting your time, surrounding yourselves with them to get clout from them and to up your own status, ask them questions about why they are as smart as they are. Where did you source your education from? How long have you been doing this? What have the pitfalls in your career been? What would you have done differently five years ago, 10 years ago? What is your plan for the future? Like, ask them questions. Don't just take a picture with them, throw it up on your Instagram page and be like, oh, I got to hang out with Like, Nobody gives a shit. Literally, nobody cares. If Lane Norton walked out of a room full of full of nutrition coaches and he walked down the street in San Diego, one out of ten people might notice him. Just like you and I, right? Like, I think people do this stuff for the wrong reasons and they show up to these conferences. Half the time, you're not going to maybe hear anything revolutionarily new or scientific that you've never heard of before, but it might change your perspective on something. You might have a conversation with somebody that bears some fruit. You might finally meet some friends that you've never had before because you live in this very sheltered, I work at home, alienated lifestyle where I don't get to connect to other professionals. And let's be honest, guys, nobody knows what the fuck we do. My parents don't understand what I do. My friends don't understand what I do. The world doesn't understand what nutrition coaching, what fitness coaching online means. How do you train somebody on the Internet? Now you get to be in a room full of other crazy people just like you. And you can finally start to feel connected to something that's bigger than you, so you never forget where you came from, and that's the point.
0: Mm-hmm. You brought up a lot of key points, some things that I like have quietly agreed with, but I'll just vocalize my more like emphatic agreement. So first and foremost, like everybody is just a person. Like I admire a lot of people in the fitness industry, and I've learned a ton from Absolutely. a lot of people in the fitness industry. But like I don't, I don't get that like excitement about like, oh my gosh, I need to take like, if somebody was very formative in some of the things that I've learned, like I kind of want to have some kind of a a memory of getting to talk to him or something like that. Um, But I don't see it as like some people are bulletproof and untouchable and like my work doesn't matter kind of thing. Um, And then you kind of bring up the ability to like, be around all the other people. And I'll highlight why that means so much to me. So like my very first fitness event was actually hosted here in Edmonton. And it was like right after the gym ended up closing their doors. And so like the the gym owners had hosted this event. And so I got to be part of it because I was one of the former staff. Um, But then in order for me to pay my bills in the time that followed the gym closure, I had to work at the bar every weekend. So the bar was basically supporting like my livelihood. Because I didn't have the right amount of clients to like cover my mortgage, cover my car payments, cover my car insurance. But I wanted to be at that conference. So basically I worked until like four in the morning, got to the conference for nine in the morning, was there for the whole thing, taking notes, smacking myself to stay awake kind of thing and then the conference ended and i was okay i guess we all kind of like go home settle down but then i figured out there was a vip event with like the other gym staff and all the speakers and the gym owners but i wasn't invited and i was like well i would have liked to be there but i had to work again to pay my bills and it was just like that it did hurt my feelings but i think i became better for it i've had so many opportunities to connect with people in the industry um, my career has gone quite well ever since, but ever since then, um, if anybody has a VIP thing, I, everybody does their own thing. But the fact that you are passionate yeah. about bringing everybody together, um, that means so much to me on on a very like foundational level because it's, that's what I needed early in my career. And to know that people attending your event are going to get that, whether they're just starting off, whether they're five years in, 10 years in, 15 years in. Um, I think that's important that resonates with me and it's just like the conversations that you can have like to put things into perspective when I went to Kansas City the whole trip probably cost me close to like $1,500 to $2,000 for like flight hotel registration all that stuff in the years since I have generated more than that in revenue directly from other people that attended the event This isn't even including clients that I helped. This is the people that I networked with at that event have paid me more than what that event cost. And so when I say that, like, you will make your money back from attending events, like I can walk the talk in that. And I have a unique situation where I do sometimes I help people with like, um, like I coach for another business. In some cases, I'm a consultant for people's podcasts. Sometimes I do video editing. Like, I'm creative about this, but it's fitness related. It's related to my skill set and it helps them with their goals. And it's a mutual connection that all started from just not being a jerk at the conference. Like, I'm pretty quiet. Not everybody talks to me, but the people that do, we built something from it. And Then I kind of, as my career evolved and stuff, I set goals for myself. I'm like, I want to like sit down and hang out with these different people. Like over the years, I've had probably 150 different fitness professionals on my podcast. And like, I actually want to go and like sit with them and hang out and talk about life and see what they're all about and say dumb things by accident and then like look human and stuff like that. (laughs) Um, And so like your event just makes that way more efficient rather than booking like 12 different plane flights I just booked the one plane flight and see like 12 different people. (laughs) So it's just so much more efficient.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, like you said, it's not a bad trip for Edmonton. And to be honest, like, especially now with how air travel is, I mean, San Diego, I live in San Diego, it's a bit of a pain in the ass to get to the East coast. Um, There's some direct flights, but at the end of the day, like if there's a will, there's a way. We always know that. We always know if there's something important enough to us and the amount of opposition that I've received, whether it's been cost or whether it's like, I don't know what I'm doing in March. Well, if you plan to come to the event, now you know what you're doing in March and everything else just gets put on the sideline and you can make plenty of arrangements. If you, I mean, like I said, 92% of the people that came in 23 were female. I would say at least 60 to 70% of that 92% had kids. Obviously, they didn't bring their kids with them, but they made arrangements. They had Plenty of lead time. I've been selling these tickets since June of, of this year. Most events will not start selling tickets until like eight, 10 weeks out from the event. I don't want to do that because A, I have to cover a massive cost, which people don't realize how expensive these things are. And then when people start to talk to me about how much, how expensive it is, I'm saying, okay, cool. Original price was $548, which is, by the way, an absolute steal. Like if you paid $548 for the ticket that you're coming to in March, you, you you stole money. Like you robbed you robbed me essentially. But I offered it, so it's my fault. The second tier price was seven forty, Still a steal. So let's just do the math, right? You went to Kansas City, you were living on McDonald's, so obviously that was relatively inexpensive. But let's say you weren't living on McDonald's. Let's say you had to go out to breakfast, you had to go out to lunch, and then you went out to dinner, and you had a couple drinks every single day. On average, on average at least in Kansas City, it was probably about a hundred bucks to do that. And I would say probably conservatively more than that. Let's be honest. Let's probably say closer to 150. So that's 150 times two, that's 300. Plus the dinner the night before on Sunday, when you get to Vegas, there's a dinner and drinks that night. So throw another hundred on top of that. So that's 450. So if you're, and this is Vegas, this is in Kansas City. So the quality is a little bit better. The accessibility is a little bit, better, the environment's nicer. So let's say, on average, if you were in Vegas for three nights, two days, what you would spend on food and drinks, it would probably cost you more than $500 anyway. So even at my highest regular price of $998, which would be the the next and final tier of pricing, you're getting $500 worth of food and drinks, and then you're paying $500 for education. I still don't see what the opposition for price would be there. Like to me again, like if you if if I knew that I can go to a conference and have all my food and beverages taken care of, and I'm getting actual tactical, practical, real world information that I can leave that conference and immediately implement it into my practice with, as opposed to having celebrities on stage telling me how they made a million dollars and how they should how I should be on a private jet and why I'm not yet. Like I'm not. This isn't like a Tony Robbins conference where you're gonna like sit there and like be fired up, and then by Tuesday when you get home all that motivation is just gone and you have no idea why you could spend the money or the time to go there. This is going to be like stuff you can actually come home with. Not to mention that, like it's, I'm giving you all the information on the website. Like you can go right now onto the website and see every speaker topic that's going to be covered. And for the next three months before the event, I'm going to be doing a bi-weekly series where each speaker is going to be doing offering like an hour zoom call. So they can start to actually get people to understand what they'll be talking about. So if you're on the fence about this stuff, and obviously, you know, between your audience and my audience, we only know so many people and this is only going to get out to so many people, but it's going to cost me. I already got the bill yesterday. I already paid $40,000 and I owe them another 90, uh, another $56,000. So it's going to be about hundred and twenty grand altogether when it's all said and done. I don't plan on making a dime off of this. I just hope to whoever's listening up there that I don't lose money on it because I lost 30 on it this year. And I can't afford to take that hit again because I had to go into my parents' pocket for that. I, I, I didn't have it. And I, you know, my parents luckily have finally gotten to a place in their life where they're a little bit more financially comfortable. And I I, I went to them very hesitantly hat in hand and I said, mom, dad, like I, I, I don't, I'm paying 29% on three different credit cards right now to just fund what, what the leftovers were on this event. Can I can I grab $30,000 from me and just pay this off so I don't have to pay these interest rates? And they're like, absolutely. You've never taken money from us in your whole life. Here's your chance to take it, take it. So people bitch about cost and they complain about how much things are. It's like, you don't even understand the magnitude of A, what you're getting, of B, what it costs, and of C, what you're going to get back Love it Because if you don't expect an ROI, then don't come. But why would you come to anything if you didn't expect an mm. ROI? There should be something. But that also has to be on the individual who goes to these events and participates in the event. Like if you're just sitting there for two and a half days like a lump of coal, and you're not speaking to anybody, and you're not branching out, and you're not asking questions, and you're not being present, then don't come. That's, that's a waste of your time and your money. But if you come and you meet at least one person, Say you come and you meet Chris and Chris invites you onto a podcast and that podcast gets broadcasted out to every many viewers that you he has. And now you get 15, 20 more followers. Now, if you're one of those followers starts to pay you money for something that you do, if that wasn't worth it. It was absolutely worth. It, it was worth every dye. So I, I think instead of being short-sighted about any opportunity, especially in this business where you are an entrepreneur, where you are risking your life and your finances every single day, your mental health every single day, your physical health every single day. That's that's what you signed up for. You signed up to be in a very risky field. That's what we do. We we deal with we mitigate risk on a daily average basis. And how dare you as a coach ask for five to seven hundred dollars a month when you're one willing to spend that on an educational and networking opportunity. Like I, I would never in my life ever expect any of my clients to pay me money if I did not respect and engage in self-development constantly. Mm-hmm. Because at that point, I'm not doing them favors. So I think people really need to change their perspective and understand that it's not a cost unless you see it as a cost. It's an investment. It's 100%. It's the same bullshit that you tell your clients, don't wait, sign up today. I need five motivated, high level, expensive professionals to buy my pro." You're asking people to spend money on you, but you're not willing to spend money on yourself. Why would anybody trust you? Why would anybody want to work with you if you're not working tirelessly to acquire knowledge, to acquire experience, to learn from people that are better than you, that are more experienced than you are? You have to be in a room full of people that are smarter than you in order to level up. That is the only way to do it. And you know that first thing.
0: Absolutely. And I got some stuff to kind of reinforce your point. Like so much of what you were saying kind of like brought me back memories of early in my career because like when I first started, I got my very first certification. Like I did some stuff with like the technical college. What was your, what was your first My cert? first cert was the CanFit Pro certification, so it's like a major Canadian okay. one. I also did a few of the courses from a local technical college's personal fitness trainer program, so I did three of the 12 courses for that uh, diploma, but I ended up just sticking with the cert, and then later on, I got the Certified Functional <laughs> Strength Coach Certification I liked that because it had a lot of practical applications, so you really had to be more hands-on. But with that said, like, when I started in the fitness industry, I was admittedly very green, did not know what I was doing. Um, I had a lot of really smart people around me, um, but I was scared that I wasn't going to be able to retain clients. I was very insecure as a new trainer. I would, like, film, like, a client doing a deadlift and, like, colleagues would come into my DM saying about all the things that I was doing wrong. And like, I was like, I was messing up. I wasn't getting everything right. And so like the fear of losing my job was like pushed into me. Like, that's why I would continue. Like I would pursue continuing education so aggressively. And when I was broke, then I would look into like, I remember when Nick Lam first started putting out his virtual events um the first time that i ever saw when i think it was 2019 or something i got so excited that all this stuff was like free <laughs> and so i like promoted it in my instagram story i was like, everybody you got to get in on this like this is
1: yeah, yeah yeah and
0: it's just like i watch i actually physically watched every last presentation that is very and, and now you get to speak at. that
1: and now you get this presented. Um,
0: well, yeah, like I'll, I'll get to pre- present for yours, which is like huge for me.
1: Well, that's That's, that's also Nick though.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: that working in conjunction with Nick. Cause I, I, so, I know yeah, the, it's full circle, right? me? full circle. Here you are in 2019 watching other people present for free. And now you're going to be one of the people that other people are going to be watching for free present. And this is what it's all about, man. Like, this is what people don't want to see. It's like, you have to take these opportunities and you have to be involved in this community. You can't just sit in your basement on your computer as an online coach and expect things to happen. You have to go out there and grab and connect to everybody that you
0: can get. Well, like, people need to have, like, this sense of, like, urgency. Like, for me, like, I... So much did not want to go back to my old career, just like the environment was not conducive for me. Like it was just not a good space for me and I didn't feel fulfilled. Like I felt like I had no purpose in life and it was impacting so much of what I did. And I just wanted to help people, but I wanted to help people, but also pay my bills and I wasn't paying my bills. So in order to help more people, I need to get less dumb my entire fitness journey has been like this pursuit of being less dumb, understanding that like, I don't know everything, but if I try to learn, if I surround myself with people stronger and smarter than me, um, I'll progressively get smarter and, and stronger, hopefully. And just understanding like I will make mistakes and I won't always be right. But if I can kind of like own up to the things that I kind of mess up on and learn from those mistakes, like whether it be just like communication things or just like, how I like maybe I select an exercise that just wasn't the best exercise for a client, but I learned from that and then I become a much better coach for the next client or even just a better coach for that client on the next session um, learning how to take feedback, learning how to just like dive into the continuing education that my clients actually need me to learn like sometimes just learning how to work with like females has been more valuable then learning how to work with athletes. Cause for me, I'm very general population. I've worked with a few people leading up to their like pregnancy journey and like so much of like the sensitivities to things or even just understanding like what a female would go through versus what a male would go through on a month to month basis. Like all these little intricacies make such a huge difference. And so I feel like for me, the fear of like, losing my job because I was too dumb influenced me to pursue continuing education with as much volume as I could possibly do like as long as I could eat everything else went towards getting smarter in some way and sometimes it's been through like online opportunities but I find it's more holistically rewarding to go to the in-person ones because of the isolation that we experience in the industry, if you can kind of be in like the same room as these other smart people, uh, it just gives you a boost. Like if you're like, oh man, I just haven't had my breakthrough of the year. And you just get that little mental boost of just hanging out with good people. They tell you what they've been up to. They tell you their struggles, they tell you their wins, and you learn a few
1: things. Sometimes it's just validation too, man. Like sometimes you go to these events and you may not learn anything monumentally new or, or, or break through anything. But you just go and you're like, man, I am a good coach. I shouldn't have imposter syndrome. I should trust myself and my protocols because I am doing a good job. I have good systems in place. And if you went and you spent a thousand bucks to just be validated and that rose your confidence level up to a monumentally high spot, I think even that's worth it because there's been so many times I've been like I went to Swiss and Ohio back in uh, October. I was at Supercoach in August. I I'd probably go to three to five events a year because, A, I get to hang out with people that are like me, which is fun because it's like, wow, okay, I can have actually good conversations with people and it's fun to listen to what they have to say. I get to let loose because it's the one time I don't have to coach anybody. I get to be coached. So it's my chance to shut my coach brain off and turn my and turn like my my white belt mentality back on, and absorb information versus delivering it, which is also a nice way to kind of get some freedom in your brain. It's my opportunity to travel. I get to hop on a plane. I get to go somewhere, hopefully somewhere decently cool. Um, there's just so many benefits to doing it, and I think the problem is is like I don't how I'm long- thirty-one. Okay, so you're you're in that generation that's that's a little bit on the older side that kind of understands the value of human connection. I find, and maybe I'm short-sighted, or maybe I'm the old guy that's standing in his window yelling at all the young kids on his front lawn. But at almost 40, I find that the people that are below 30 don't value these things the way that we do. Because A, they've never experienced it because they kind of started online like during COVID, so that's all they knew. They never really trained people in person, so they never had that in- interpersonal need or connection to have that, that, that communication system in place. And I think now it's so easy to start a business online. Anybody can really do it. You can get a certification, you get a few letters after your name. But let's say you're a good looking dude or a ripped guy or a ripped girl, you now have clout, right? Because you have well, clearly they know what they're talking about since they're in shape, so I should believe them. And, unfortunately, I mean, I've seen plenty of, like some of the best trainers I know are in some of the worst shape I've seen because they don't pay attention to themselves. They're giving every ounce of their their energy and effort out to their clients and out to their community. So they don't really prioritize themselves, which not always the best thing in the world. You and I both know it's important to stay on top of our health and our fitness just for our mental health. But I think it's, it's so vital to just get out of your own little bubble, to get out of your city, to get out of your community, to get out of your circle And see what other people in our industry are doing because worst case scenario you at least get inspired with some food for thought best case scenario you overhaul your entire system and start living a life and having a business that you've only imagined to have so it's a win-win regardless of what you perceive it to be until you actually get there until you see that experience it's like anything else right like our clients have no idea what they're signing up for until they spend at least a couple of weeks with us in our coaching environment. It's very much similar with an event. Like you, you know, they put out pretty reels and like, well, this is going to be an amazing experience. And then you show up and it sucks because that's, they're showing you what they want you to see. But that's because the people that are a lot of times are putting these things on are doing it for monetary reasons. They're doing it to build up their own status versus to lift up the people in those seats. If you know anything about me in any way, anything about me and who I associate with and who I bring into my ecosystem, I don't bring people into my world unless I know they're servants like I am. I wouldn't be talking to you if I didn't know that you had integrity. I wouldn't be talking to Andrew Coates if he didn't have integrity. I wouldn't be connected to Jason Brown and Shante Cofield and all these other people that I invited to speak at my event unless they had integrity. Of course we all have to make money. Of course we have to sell something. I get that. We have to keep the lights on. But at the end of the day, the money is going to come. It's going to show up. It's going to take time to build it and earn it. Earning, that's the key word. But you also have to understand that it's like anything else. Our clients hire us to reduce the learning curve. Our, our clients hire us to be able to foresee the potential problems in their lifestyle. The Same way that we want to be surrounded by other people who've already done and walked the walk that we want to walk, have done the things, have had the problems that we haven't even had yet, that we haven't even anticipated in our business. They've already dealt with them so they can maybe save us from a, a potential headache that's coming up the road. So if you're contemplating why you should go to these things, of course I want you in my event, of course I don't wanna lose money this year, but I promise you that if you come, there's no possible way that you leave there and you don't feel better about why you came. Like I just, I I over deliver on everything that I do and this is just one more way for me to over deliver. And, and, And it's getting to a point now where like, I'm almost tired of hearing myself talk about it because like I've had to sell it so fucking hard. That it gets to a point where I'm wondering, it's like, how do you not see the value? How much more can I tell you about this experience to convince you that this is something you have to do? But what I will promise is going to happen, Chris, and if I can survive this year, I don't think I'm going to have to convince anybody after year two. I think after this year, and this thing gets put on the map and people show up, because right now, we're, I think we're at 100, I'm at 186 tickets sold. My goal was 250. Last year, I had about 150 show up. So I'm already 30 people over that in one year of having it be an event. If I can get 250, that'll be incredible. And hopefully gets close to break even. I mean, I hope this becomes a five or six hundred person event. I hope this becomes the conference that people go to because nothing will ever change about it. I will, I will maintain the same level of offering that I'm offering now. It will always be all food and booze included. It will, also, it will usually stay in the same place because I like the venue. I'm still not going to make any money off of it because that's not what I'm trying to do it for. So at the end of the day, like people can expect congruency and continuity from me always because that's how I show up. I don't know any other way to do it. Like if I wanted to take your money and not give you something, I don't have that bone in my body. It just doesn't, I don't operate that way. Um, and it's just it's it's been very some days it's been very honestly disheartening because I've heard some stuff like I was talking to one particular person who's got a team of like eight coaches, and I asked him, like, are you gonna come this year? So, well, why don't I just sit around and listen to people talk? Why do I spend money on that? I'm like, isn't that what four years of college was? Like, what did you get out of your college education? Nothing. Like you're a nutrition coach now. You could have done that with a multiple certifications. It's a life experience. But you paid $150,000 for four years of school. and You never used it yet. So clearly, it wasn't a bad idea back then. But now, when you're in a lucrative career helping people, why wouldn't you want to be up to date on all the information that exists? Why wouldn't you want to see it? A perspective of a coach that's been doing it differently than you have so it's that short sighted thinking like what what's in it for me well there's a lot in it for you and it's not almost it's only only what's in it for you it's what's in it for your clients what are your clock how are your clients going to benefit from you being in that room and I'm, my clients are so insupportive like when i when i'm off the grid for two or three days and i'm still accessible but they're pumped up that i'm at a conference they're like good go learn some shit if it can help us in some way we want you to go do it they don't they don't they're not upset that I'm not that, that I'm not taking check-ins that Thursday because I'm on the plane or I'm flying, or whatever. They're like, fine, go, please. Like, we don't, we want you to get smarter. We want you to get better at what you do. And I promise that all of your clients, if you take two days off, are not going to freak out that you're not there. They're going to be just fine.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, my clients have even like noticed how I evolve. Like, my everything that I do has changed for the better year over year. And the thing that I keep as a constant is these learning opportunities. So I feel like we've given lots of people opportunities to uh, go ahead and secure themselves their spot at your conference. And I'm definitely going to have links all over the show notes and make it very easy for people to make that decision. And I'll even preface, like for anybody that isn't reading between the lines, I'm in Canada. So if I pay for anything in the US, um, it costs more than what the US cost is. And I still had very little to no hesitation. Big part of that is because I know so many people in the industry at this point. So it means that much more. But like if anybody ever wants to like do what I did, you're going to have to go to some conferences. So this is a great opportunity to do that. But with that said, I think this is a great point for us to draw the episode to a close. Um, But I've really enjoyed this conversation. So thank you so much for joining me. Um, But yeah.
1: I can't take it up for the opportunity. I uh, I don't like talking and selling anything to anybody, but with where I am on this mission and on this journey right now and where I am financially about it, like, I, I can't afford to not be as passionate or as pushy as I am about it. This like, I, I used to have some shame with it, but at this point it's like, it's self-preservation. It's self-preservation because if I can can continue to be connecting other coaches to other coaches and making this industry better, like I want to be able to survive. And if this event does well and it, it gets to a point where it does even become profitable, hopefully, all that money is going to go back into this industry. It's going to go back by way of scholarships. It's going to go back by way of opportunities for other coaches. That's what it's going to turn into, hopefully. And that's really what I want this to be. So I, I appreciate you allowing me the opportunity to talk to your audience about it and to share my belief system because Lord knows I'm a very weird person. But um, yeah, yeah, I just can't thank you
0: enough.